0: Welcome to the website of the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. This is a recording for December 27, and I'm going to begin in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 in just a moment. In two different passages in the New Testament, the statements are made which convey to us the limited power of the devil. And one of those statements is found in this text I'm going to begin with in Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one, Who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. That's Hebrews two, fourteen and fifteen, and to that I would add Revelation twenty and verse two where there is the affirmation of the binding of the devil. Now how does that work? What does that mean? I'm not going to take us into intricate, mysterious wanderings into the depths of the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. But I do want to say something about this passage in Hebrews and let this introduce a subject that begs for our attention. The book of Hebrews carries throughout a strong tone of victory, overcoming, moving closer to God through the new covenant of Christ arrangement, which depends on the grace of God that found ultimate expression in the death of Christ. If you will look back in this context at verse 9 in Hebrews 2, it says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste of death for everyone. That's victory provided by God in His grace through the death of Jesus Christ and calling for a response of faith. Focus with me on this concept of victory, and may I repeat for us what David McClister wrote in his commentary on Hebrews? He said, What appeared to be Satan's defeat of Jesus turned out to be Jesus' victory over Satan. When we think of Jesus and the cross, when we praise God for this victory we can receive, part of this grace is our conviction of what the devil cannot do, his limited power. And so I want to speak to us about What the Devil Cannot Do, and I hope you're ready to listen. This morning's sermon was about what God can do based on the creation account in Genesis, so what a contrast now as we consider what the devil cannot do. The devil cannot steal you away from God without your consent. There isn't any question the devil has the mind of a thief, but he simply doesn't have unlimited access. He is not sovereign. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you activate that faith in repentance and baptism, you enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you stay there and continue to live under the authority of Christ, relying on his blood, correcting your course along the way, God keeps you safe. And one dimension of that protection and fellowship is, the devil cannot steal you away from God unless you want to leave God. Listen to John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We all believe what is poetically stated in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Here is one part of that. Those sheep who hear the voice of Christ and follow him have this promise, no one will snatch them out of my hand. So, If you have ever worried about this, stop. Just follow Jesus and continue to follow him. As long as you do that, there is never some sort of surprise attack where all of a sudden the devil has taken you against your will. The devil cannot steal you away from God without your consent. He may want to. He is not above the mentality and motivation of a thief but God has limited him. The devil is restrained. He is not all-powerful. And to the point in the Hebrew passage, victory was purchased at the highest price. Listen to our Father. In Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 3, The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Or Hebrews thirteen five. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The devil cannot just steal you out of the family of God unless you want to leave. Along that same line, the devil cannot make you sin. Now, if you want to sin, If you think about it and look for opportunities and move closer and closer to it, the devil can help you get there and keep you there if you want to stay. But if you are dead set against sin, if the idea is repulsive, if you've made the choice to be righteous, the devil cannot make you sin. One man said, he can lead you to water, but he cannot make you drink. Consider this. Can you name one case, just one case in the Bible, where the devil made someone sin who didn't want to? Someone who loved God and wanted to serve Him wholly. Now, uh, you, you may think of demons in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and to a lesser degree in the book of Acts. Demons, for a short period of time, were able to cause people to do strange things. But is there a case where a good person? wanted to be right with God, but couldn't do anything but sin because of a demon? I'm not aware of such a case, and I would offer this challenge. As you go through your daily Bible reading this year, look for that. If there is a case where the devil made someone sin against their will, if you find that, call me, send me an email. I'll repent and edit this sermon. 1 Corinthians 10:13 is a well-known statement. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Temptation is common, but sin is not compelled or externally deterministic. God says, I always provide the way of escape. The devil cannot make you sin. The old comedian Flip Wilson was wrong when he said over and over again, the devil made me do it. No. And then let me add, the devil cannot wipe out God's word from all human access. 2 Timothy 2 verse 9. I believe you'll agree, prominent in our world today is fear, perhaps more so in this last year of our time. We are afraid. What will happen to the country? What will happen to the home and the family? How far will churches go into apostasy, health care, the economy, the climate, the pandemic, the remedy? We are afraid. The news media seems in love with instilling fear about almost everything. And it may be some of those fears have some basis. I'm going to give you one thing. I'm going to give you one thing you will never need to fear. Don't ever be afraid that the devil will wipe out God's word from existence, that he will bind it or remove it from human access. Don't be concerned. Don't be afraid of that. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 9, in a context where Paul is urging Timothy to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There is this statement of assurance, The word of God is not bound. The devil can discourage you from opening the Bible. The devil can put distractions in the way to keep you from regular reading and Bible study. The devil can tempt us from applying God's word consistently, but the devil cannot wipe out the existence of God's Word. I saw one translation in 2 Timothy 2 9 that said the Word of God cannot be imprisoned. Suppose, if you will, that all Bibles are confiscated, no longer printed, and all existing copies destroyed. I don't imagine that will happen. I'm a strong believer in the connection between God's providence and His revelation. But suppose it were to occur. What about all the published works quoting the Bible? What about all the verses Christians have memorized? And most important, what about the Bible knowledge we continue to apply in our lives and the abiding word of God within our memories and within our hearts? Paul's point is, they can capture me and punish me and put me in prison, but the word of God is not bound. Take comfort in Luke 21, 33, where Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Then the devil cannot give you anything good. I'll take us to Luke chapter 15 in just a moment. Luke chapter 15. You'll be familiar with it. There are people who are, convinced, I should say, deceived into thinking, that the devil is the answer to their problems, that they need to run in his direction and take up with him and be a part of his team, and that life will therefore be better. Now, when we put it that way, it sounds absurd, but it happens that people reach a place in life where they are restless seekers but their seeking turns in the wrong direction toward the carnal, the world, and its limiting ambitions. The devil steps into their minds, and in their weakened state, they follow his lead because they were moving in his direction away from God. Thinking that life will be better if they move away from God and walk out into some adventure of sin, what follows is worldly living, sexual promiscuity, intoxication, a life of less responsibility and more entertainment, reduced reverence for God, less shame in offensive behavior, a selfish journey away from God through indifference and into sin. The devil has convinced them in their fleshly state of mind that a better life is offered down his pathway to hell. Jesus actually told a story one time very much like what I've just described. We're in Luke 15 now, and I want to read part of that. Luke 15, 11 through 21. Jesus said there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, Here is a man who thought there was a richer, fuller, better life if he walked away from his father. The Bible says he came to himself in the hog pen. He came to himself. One translation says he realized he had been very foolish. I'm persuaded one reason the Lord told this story and one reason Luke recorded it was so that we can see the results of wasteful living before we make such a choice. The devil promises all kinds of adventure, excitement, and temporal happiness, but cannot deliver. He cannot give us anything good. God, on the other hand, offers us everything that is eternally valuable, and that offer is made through Jesus Christ and accepted and kept by the activity of faith. The devil offers to you nothing positive, nothing good, nothing you need, nothing worth walking away from God. God, through Jesus Christ, offers everything positive, everything perfectly good, everything you need now and after you die, and of such value it is worth it to say no to the devil every day. What will your answer be? So I'll remind us what appeared to be Satan's defeat of Jesus turned out to be Jesus' victory over Satan. Thank you for being with us in this study.